welcome to this episode of 10,000 Posts. It's the show about how everything is posting. Uh, my name is Hussein. My name is Phoebe. Uh, and uh, before we before we get before we get into it, I uh, just wanted to say uh, thank you for listening to this free episode. We have bonus content on our Patreon. Do uh, subscribe if you want to support us. Five bucks a month helps us do the show without ads. It helps us uh, run it with editorial independence. We both really really like that. So yeah, 10k post pods cast on Patreon. The link is in the show notes. Um, we are joined this week by Joey Santor, uh, who among other things runs the YouTube channel Crime Pays of Botany Doesn't. Uh, Joey, how's it going? Oh, you know, it's going good. It's going real good over here. It's 105 degrees and the fucking world is, you know, just a shit pool right now. But it's, aside from that, everything's going good. Got to maintain a positive attitude. Got to laugh while the ship is going down, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I do want to say, like, check out uh, Joey's uh, YouTube channel if you haven't already. Phoebe actually brought me, uh, kind of brought my attention to it. And yeah, there I, are some I, I real, love it. It's really so good, good shit it's on so there. so good. I, I, send it, I send it around to everyone. Well, you know, it's nice you say uh, that because the quality, I feel like the quality is kind of going down lately. Like, you know, I make these 30 minute long videos. It's, it's, uh, you know, and the, the younger generation likes the short content, you know? So mm. I had a friend that was kind of, you know, my friend that does native habitat project, Kyle Leibar, he makes the short videos. And so I kind of realized, but that's good. I'm glad people still enjoy it. You know, I don't know what I'm doing oh, anymore, yeah, yeah, but yeah. you know, no, 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 no. It's, it's exactly my sort of thing because, um, because I, I, I like watching stuff about nature anyway, and it's quite difficult now. My like, my kind of like standard, like particularly like my kind of standard stoner content always used to be nature stuff, and now it's like it's so like depressing to watch um, because it's uh, because like they'll show you like a kind of really cool t- like or, like a really cool fish or something, and then they'll say like, oh yeah, but also like this this fish's habitat is now way too hot for it to survive. And so there are going to be no more of these fish. And like, I understand that that's like a kind of really necessary aspect of like nature material, but it also, it's, it's a, it's a buzz hush. I realize that's very low it down. Is, it is, but you know, you got to like priorities, but also I got a lot to say about that actually. Cause that's something, you know, Aldo Leopold said, this is a fucking old quote. It's I can curse on this, right? That's fine. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's fine. You know, Elder like. Leopold said, you know, having an ecological education is being alive in a world of wounds. But I don't, you know, plenty of people grow up in, you know, with lots of wounds and they got a they got a good outlook on things. I think what you need to do is embrace the darkness. You talk mm-hmm. about it and you put it out there, you know, and it's I don't think it needs to be this depressing thing. I think it I mean, it utterly is. I don't think it needs to make us depressed is what I'm saying. I think there's a way around that. There's a way to transcend this and bring notice to it, you know? Um, but Mm. you know, tragedy and comedy are like this, right. And there's a way, Mm. I mean, it's, it's better than ignoring it. You talk about it, you talk about it and you just kind of off. I mean, that's what I do on the channel all the time. I do offhanded kind of smart ass statements, you know, kind of start totally sarcastic and somewhat satirical about, about the decline we're seeing. And I think it's good to, to, you know, I think that's the great philosophical challenge of our generation right now. And this is very existential. It's almost, you know, Dada, all the surrealists had this. How do you deal with this fucking George Carlin was great at this? How do you deal with this decline and the shit we're seeing and not condone it, but also like find a way to not let it bum you out and be, you know, and be honest about it. And I think the long-term perspective is good for that. I mean, for me, it was always a, you know, geologic education, understanding the geologic timescale. I mean, I think that shit should be Mm. taught in first grade. 
But, um, mm. you know, I just get so bummed. I mean, I got friends that just read the news. I got friends in Florida. They see what that fucking, you know, talking ventriloquist DeSantis is doing over there. And they, you know, they just really let it fuck with them. And it's terrible. But it's like you got to have almost like this madness, like the guy in the fucking crow's nest who's screaming, probably drunk. You know, the, the, this is a metaphor, of course. The drunken captain in the crow's nest of the ship during a storm. It's like it's just a mentality. It's a philosophical outlook that. You got to have mm-hmm. to deal with this stuff and it's uh, and maybe a thick skin. I don't know. That's my personal take. I think there's a lot of other room for, of course, the quiet moments when you're like, oh, shit, what's going on? Yeah. And kind of meditating. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, I mean, it's a real it's real shit to talk about. I mean, this is the, the sixth mass extinction. We're way out of scale with nature. We're disconnected. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's mm-hmm. why I try to do these videos is to get more people aware of it and also show them for their own mental health that there's a lot of beauty out there. Mm. still you know that you can bring home so anyway i, I need yeah. it's you guys sorry i just had the floor for like four minutes i need to shut the floor up. no i mean you can have the whole floor for as long as Li- you like, want literally like. we like if like if you like we can just ask you like one word questions and then just let you talk <laughs> like that's fine i'm just like an enthusiastic amateur i'm really interested in what you have to say about how important it is not to let like not let nihilism take you mm. uh this is like something that uh, something you have in common with um, the late, the great Mike Davis, who uh, particularly kind of towards the end of his life, were like talked a, like talked a lot and like talked quite a lot of detail about how important it is to um, to allow climate catastrophe to kind of galvanize you into um, into hope and into recognition of beauty and into kind of a, like a wish like a wish for uh like kind of social and cultural miracles rather than just being like okay well i may as well not plan anything for the rest of my life because this is the way it's going to be um and i think that's a really i think that's a really important thing to hold on to well i think i I mean i'll be honest i I am nihilistic to an extent Mm. i'm very hopeful but i don't think there's any stopping this beast on our own you know no species has ever stopped And, and you see this all the time with species that get out of bounds with nature and then end up having a population crash and whatever. Uh, you know, I don't think there's any stopping this on our own, which is a shame because we could, I mean, we're, we'd like to think of ourselves as very sentient and conscious beings that can control our behavior. And I think that's true to an extent. I also think, you know, we are still animals and we're governed by impulses that can be very hard to control without things like meditation and self-awareness and potentially psychedelics. But um, you know, I think I'm kind of a catastrophist at heart. I don't think there's any stopping this, you know, 8 billion person strong freight train from the edge of the cliff. Um, I think we could, but I, I realistically, I think it's mm. impossible. And I think, you know, especially the way things are set up, um, you know, in terms of leadership and corporate power and all that, I think it's, it's very hard to stop. But I think, um, you know, it's... I don't know. I mean, it's, you know, as an individual, as an individual choice, I mean, I think it's, I think there's a lot of potential for experiencing beauty in the world. And I think laughter is really important. I think comedy is really fucking important. And I think it's really important to not get hung up on, you know, this, everything is fucked. Although everything does seem fucked temporarily. I mean, blink of an eye on a human lifespan, it's fucked, but I mean, it's, you know, you got to zoom out. I'm talking like geologic time scale. (laughs) <laughs> but, but, well, I mean, I've been. I, yeah, I've been, yeah. I mean, that's that's like. I think it's fundamentally the same point, just sort of from a slightly different. Yeah, plant plant the garden during the apocalypse. I mean, and, you know, plant the garden, do things that you could still do. I mean, there's there's 
you got to have an outlet. You got to keep it together. Well, there is one guy that is going to fix everything, apparently. Uh, I was really trying to do like a good segue into this section. Um, unfortunately, uh, we do have to address uh, something that's happened fairly recently, including like now. Uh, we did say last week that we're really going to try and like not do as many Elon updates unless he does something stupid. And he did something stupid. Uh, and yeah. uh, you have informed me that it has become more stupid since uh, the time we jumped on. Um, last weekend, uh, Twitter died and was replaced with uh, X. It was replaced with X.com. Um, X.com is just a logo. Uh, I don't know how to describe it. So he's basically just like a rebranding. So uh, like on, I think, Saturday night uh, last week, he uh, had said that Twitter is now X and they were getting rid of all the bird shit. They were getting rid of all the sort of like light blue uh, stuff and we're going to replace it with a black X um, and that the black X is going to uh, be a bank and also it's going to do a Mars thing and like all just basically all of it is bullshit in the same way that like all the other Elon stuff is bullshit um, one of the things I found interesting sort of about this was that crypto kind of seemed to be back on the agenda um, he hasn't really, he hasn't really sort of mentioned it for a while, but he actually got Linda, L Linda Yaccarino, uh, is, uh, is, is, is her name, uh, to be like, yeah, we're going to turn Twitter into a bank and it's also going to be an AI generation tool. And don't worry about how it's going to work because all of it's going to work out through AI. Um, yeah. And then the only thing that was left was the X and the X has sort of been adapted from an old Unicode X. So it sort of got stolen, but not quite. But the ending part of this story is that now the Twitter bird is back, Phoebe. Yeah, it seems to be. It seems to be back. So he rebranded, um, and then he and then he he went back. Hi, it's Devon, the editor. As you are probably aware, shortly after this episode was recorded, the X rebrand was brought back and made permanent. Sorry, you can now go to x.com and it will take you to Twitter. It's just a redirect at the moment, but it's looking like his plan is to really stick with this one. Um, all right. So obviously everything that everyone says for the rest of the segment is wrong um, and they look like fools and it's preserved so we can all have a little laugh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He uh, it, like in all fairness, that was quite an impressively short rebrand so we can't so like you know like as like as you like as you were saying joey like we have to like we have to like look for like the beauty in the world and like and this is like this is a real example of it uh that he that he that he uh took the last thing that he could like legitimately say uh main, makes twitter a meaningful company to own which is its phenomenal brand recognition he changes it. Everyone freaks out, and so he just changes it back. And I think that's beautiful. I think that is that is somebody who has learned how to sit with nature. I'm sure he went on a really like really cool shroom ceremony before he made this decision. Um, when, when I said and, beauty, uh, and... when I said beauty, I was I was talking about like native plants in a fucking park, not not like whimsical <laughs> actions of this fucking maniac. No offense to him. I'm sure he, I'm sure Elon's got his own internal cacophony of like fucked up insecure thoughts he's going through people Chappelle brought him out or something and people boot him i mean he knows he's not liked and i think that's probably 
fucking with him. I think what that guy needs is probably some sort of fucking ego disconnection, you know, uh, psychedelic retreat or something. Don't they got that for those those rich, you know, techies? I mean, he's beyond I don't that. Think but- he, yeah, but I don't think he does that. I think he's like... I remember reading some weird anecdote about how he struggles to drink alcohol, like generally, and like there's this very weird story where he basically gets quite drunk at a party, and everything that people say to him, he says like that, like honey bed doesn't say. I I can't remember what it was, but basically, like I don't think he's. It was something about honey. It was honey, no, bad- honey badger. Oh, it was uh like because ever because everything he because everything he says is a meme right. from 15 years ago yeah so I mean, which is like which in itself is interesting i mean the dude he doesn't strike me as someone who's particularly enlightened or has done much you know self-work i'll, I'll say that and mm. you know I, I don't know i mean i just watching this shit go down i mean i'm not really invested in sure. it i you know i only started really using twitter to any large extent the last year just to post photos of plants and you know i try to avoid arguing with people on Twitter because it's such a shitty format for it. Uh, though I've certainly done it in the past, but I think, uh, you know, I, I don't know, man. I think that, uh, this fucking guy, I, I don't know. It's kind of like some people get off on watching him stumble to me. I'm like, Jesus Christ, like this guy controls so much <laughs> and he's so like kind of unhinged, Yeah, you know, is he seeing a shrink or something? I mean, fuck, yeah. there's just the damage that people like that can do. Yeah. When they're in that state, and this you is know? sort of what I feel like being like, you know, it's not necessarily Elon as a character that I think is like interesting, like very far from it. But the announcement of X as like an idea um, is one that is kind of like they're sort of desperately trying to present it as like the next stage of like evolution when it comes to digital communication, social media, and so on. Um, the whole idea, like when this was first floated as an idea, and we talked about this on like an episode a while ago the idea of like the everything app sort of being the way that it's imagined as this sort of like seamless process where you can sort of like do your banking, order a pizza and also kind of be racist at like using just one app rather than several. Um, And they sort of view that as like utopic, but you know, breaking it down, like what this sort of does signify is this attempt to sort of like further control and monopolize the internet. And by extension, like the ways in which information is created and like knowledge is knowledge is created online and distributed and so on. And I think like it feeds into this kind of broader concern that, you know, I'm sure Joey, like you've sort of, I think you've sort of written about before we've spoken about it quite a lot, which is just like the access to public knowledge and the fact that like the internet as it exists right now is and I think, as you mentioned, like, you know, we kind of, you know, the internet was supposed to be this kind of way of like expanding public knowledge. And so if you wanted to learn like, you know, how to like basic botany or like even how to sort of like plant guard, you know, plant a, like a small garden and stuff like of the online environment should have been like the way in which like you could kind of learn how to do that and like meet people who were sort of on the same journey as you or who could help you and so on. And now I think it's like incredibly difficult to even do like find very mm. basic bits of information let alone like learn something and it is really kind of down to or so much of it is because of like the dominance of social media platforms as these kind of you know places the only places where you can like navigate the internet and like envision like visions like x are kind of presented as being you know the next frontier of kind of digital communication but in reality it is just another way of to seize like control of like the means of which people communicate with each other. Well, I think, I think all these platforms, you know, have these, they're run by these fucking rich freaks, man. <laughs> There's like, 
they're run by mm-hmm. these fucking rich freaks who haven't done any fucking work on themselves. It's it's again, it's just human ego, mm-hmm. you know, which is something our species mm-hmm. does so well. I mean, it's it's this, uh, you know, I don't I, I don't know, man. I just I don't like are any of these are any of these companies just content to just have one thing and do it and do it well and not try to branch out into all this other shit. I mean, it's this it's this weird idea about like endless growth. As opposed to just mm-hmm. having this one thing, like we're a platform that gives people access to information or allows them to share ideas. And we're fine doing that. We're just going to stick with that instead of all this other shit people are trying to do and perpetually grow and rebranding and Zuckerberg's goofy ass is doing the meta thing like that was totally I don't know. That's all it just it, it all just seems so unnecessary. Now, that's why it's like, you know, institutions like Wikipedia, not institutions, organizations like Wikipedia are such a great like a, mm-hmm. a grateful uh, resource, mm. at least, you know, I, I'm, I am, I mean, it's in the, or I naturalist, for instance, I mean, those are things for the public good, you know, nonprofits. I mean, you've got this mm. kind of like deranged sense of modern capitalism on steroids mixing with, you know, the transmission of information, uh, you know, around to the other side of the globe in a second, you know, and so millisecond. So it's kind of like, you know, I don't know. I don't, where's it going to go? Like, I don't, what's the answer to that? I mean, maybe is it to have more, you know, genuine nonprofit organizations running things that, you know, they've got a stated purpose and that's it. And it's, it's, you know, collective. I, I don't know. I don't know. But these fucking, these guys that, that just, these fucking maniacs, man, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, must, yeah. like, I mean, like, like, on it, like, honestly, I was just, I was just going to say, yeah, well, there's, there's Wikipedia and that's what, that's it. <laughs> that's the, um, but then, but then you said, mm. but then you said it for I me. Naturalist is a great fucking, I mean, that, that, and that's just got nonprofit status. That is a great fucking resource. And I tell it to everyone I go, like, I was just in Brazil and like no one uses iNaturalist down there. And I was like, you guys got to start using this. I was talking to like botanists down there. I mean, a couple of bot, cause I was having to reach, reach out to botanists at universities to figure out what the fuck I was looking at. Cause there's no, you, there's not much in the public sphere of, of information down there in Brazil for the native mm-hmm. plants. And they've got such incredible diversity. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there, there's, it's not that there's none, but there is, but there's like up, you know, compared to the United States or other places or like fucking Australia where there's, there's just not a lot there. And so I was trying to get, you know, people to, you know, I would reach out to researchers and be, yeah, cause I put everything up on iNaturalist. It's, I use it for myself so I can look what the fuck I saw, mm. you know, it's like a log. Um, it's, and, and so I was reaching out to researchers and saying, can you identify some of this stuff for me? I mean, half the shit I took pictures of, there wasn't even a a photo on the taxon page yet there was in some of the cases there wasn't even a taxon page created like a page because there's always a page for the organism that it is in this case a plant and there wasn't even a page like this according to iNaturalist the species doesn't even exist yet because no one created it so that's a great fucking resource iNaturalist is a great resource there i don't know what they're going to do because they need more funding and they need better software developers but because <laughs> it's really it can be really slow but um that said, I mean, there's, you know, though that's a good model. It's a good example of a, a useful tool. But I think, you know, the stage we're at now with a lot of social media is the stage that people were at with TV when it first came out and still are at where it's like, you just do this. You just like something to scroll. It's like that just turn the brain off and fucking, you know, look at pictures of butts or whatever, or fucking, you know, just lowest common denominator shit. And it's kind of, that's like a cultural thing we have to shift, mm-hmm. I think, whereas what are we doing with our time? Are we looking at dumb shit? I mean, I catch myself going into the void too. You know, are we, are we doing shit that's going to like, that's actually mentally stimulating, you know? Mm. I th- yeah. It's a, ki- it's a kind of constant state 
of being completely like unchallenged but also bored so like so like deeply profoundly bored but also like keyed up and anxious because of the kind of proliferation of just like stuff that you're like consuming but you're not kind of interacting with you're not consuming you're not really even taking it in right. you don't remember it properly and, and the way that you know the way this shit goes too now is i mean leave it the fucking I hate to sound like one of those people, but leave it to fucking capitalism, modern capitalism, the way that things are to, to, you know, you, whatever sells, regardless of whether it's healthy or not, you know, if the sugary Mm. processed food sells the most, you fucking market that and just get it. If the, if the, the lowest common denominator content that gets people turned up about shit that doesn't really matter in the end, like all the fucking, all the stuff, the, the right wing in this country is doing right now, like the culture war shit they're playing up. You know, if that's what sells the most and drives engagement, because we got to sell advertising, pump that out there. Fuck it. Who cares if it's good for society or not? Fuck it. Who cares if it's, you know, good content or not? You know, we don't care about the quality of our content. We care about, you know, how much it sells mm-hmm. and whether it fucking drives engagement. And that's such a model for, I mean, so many things in this country. So, you know, <laughs> whether it's, you yeah. know, it's, and it's, and so you have to change the culture. Yeah itself so that consumers are like fuck this shit we don't want this stuff. yeah you know i mean that's one way to do it there's probably other options i just think you know that's how you change the culture deal you, you, if people stop buying this dumb shit uh you know maybe it won't sell as much maybe the people i mean it, and it shouldn't be like that i would like to think that the change would be would come from the top first but mm-hmm. you know that's not the way that our current system runs up the dumbest shit sells and that's 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 what drives and all they're concerned about is selling ads. So yeah. fuck, I don't know. It's a shitty model. And that's like, and that's like certainly the case with like the current, the current kind of content ecosystem and current content models. There's no, there's no internal either ethics or sense of aesthetics. It's just about what you can get. There's no ethics, on, no. Which is like, I, I'm always amazed when I read anecdotes from business people or higher ups in companies that, you know, 120 years ago who seem genuinely concerned about the public good. You know, mm. and, and it was, and, and granted, there was a lot of heinous shit going on. I mean, that's, you know, the fucking Ruben Sinclair wrote The Jungle. Upton Sinclair wrote The Jungle then. Uh, you know, there was a lot of fucking, but there was, you would read these cases where, where philanthropic millionaires at the time, the equivalent of these billionaires, would do things that, uh, that seemed like they had this more collective sense, like we're all in this together. We genu- genuinely want the best. They're like, no, we can't mm. do that. We can't sell this thing. This is unethical. Um, they were still rare then, but I just feel like today there's still just, it's just kind of this, uh, and this is probably warped. It's probably the same today, but I just feel like, yeah, you know, the shit like Facebook was doing, like just pumping, pumping out shit that drives vitriol and anger and just dumb shit too. I mean, like lowest common denominator shit that, I feel like makes society dumber, you know, uh, mm-hmm. but they, they had no problem selling it, putting it out there because it sells, it drives advertising and engagement, you know, what a shitty model. Yeah. And that's what yeah. we're under right now. Yeah, no no, 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 absolutely. I mean, like, obviously, like there is like, there, there were like, like significant problems with, uh, with like kind of millionaire philanthropy because it meant that it uh, kind of bought them, it bought them this kind of outside stake in not just like oh, kind right. of policy, but the way society was structured, um, which is like bad, but it's like, but it's not as bad as it is now. No. <laughs> I don't think. I think like at least like there was some there was some sense from like your I don't know your kind of yeah like your average Rockefeller that like well this was this is like. This is the context that that made me what I am, and I therefore obliged to give something 
back to it. Right. Which, and again, that, and again, that was like, like, yeah, like they genuinely felt that. Who knows? You know, I, I don't know. I'm not trying to like glorify millionaires of, of your, but you know. no, 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 no. Who knows? No, who knows? We like we like we we don't we don't know. But like, at least they felt obliged to to pretend that this is what they thought and this is what they were doing, which I think is a I think is a different. I think thing. it's an understanding though too that if you if you provide for the fucking society you live in, you're going to live in a better world. It's going to up your quality of life eventually. Oh. Or do you want to, are you content living in a world where you can hide behind the fucking razor wire in the tower and the, and the masses down below yeah. are fuck them. They're fine. Who cares? They want the, the, the dumbest shit. I mean, you know, it's, it's fine. You know, they're let them eat cake, that kind of shit. I mean, it's, it's in what kind of world do you want to live in? Cause that world, that dystopia you're going to create and that your mindset is going to create is going to affect you too. Eventually going to cause uptakes in crime it's mm. going to cause more poverty it's going to cause more health issues it's going to cause more ecological decline not that any of them necessarily give a fuck about that but um you know i, I just this this kind of this disregard that people in power have for the general well-being of the world or maybe just the way they're tuned out to it and just oblivious i don't know it mm. just blows my mind i'm like fuck man if i was if i had billions of dollars like the shit i would start doing like you know, building schools that, you know, educating people, starting gardens, creating fucking, mm. you know, ecological restoration, all this other shit. I mean, it's just nuts. And instead this dude is, that's what blows my mind. Instead he's on Twitter, like angrily tweeting and talking shit. And I don't know. I mean, it seems like someone who's fucking disconnected and unhinged and completely irresponsible. Yeah. I think, yeah. And I, I think like, like stealing, like stealing memes from like yeah. teenage chatters. Yeah, that's like, like, that's like what he's he doing. He's like a fucking, you know, high school <laughs> gamer who, who like inherited I mean, a company. Yeah, he's yeah. like, like fucking Billy Madison. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, 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 that is, that is, exactly, that is that's exactly what, him. that's exactly what he is. Um, and I think it's like, it is like, it is a good, like it is a good point. And it's the paradox of, it's a paradox of these people that they, um, that, the reason that the things that make them capable of um exploiting and extracting and doing all doing all kinds of fucked up shit in order to become billionaires is what makes them dispositionally incapable of doing anything good with them with the with the resources that they have that they have amassed well i think so i think with elon though and i'm not a big follower of the guy but i think it he seemed less turned up six or seven years ago you know he seemed to be he seemed to be focused on the climate change shit. he seemed like genuinely concerned and and talking about this kind of stuff and now he just seems like he just went on hinge like full you know and, and the right the right wing populists have kind of embraced him because he stood up to the wokies you know yeah. and and all this shit and so I don't know, man. It just seems like, yeah, now he's like totally lost. Like he's just off in the fucking dark yeah. right and 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 I don't know, but it seemed like maybe at one point he was, there was a little part of him that was a little bit more concerned than aware. And now it's just, I mean, who knows? Like the world, what, what is the, where's the future of the world? Like where's, where's, in whose hands is it now? It's, it's weird. It's really weird. I mean, I didn't expect us mm. to be here 20 years ago. Maybe I did. I've always been kind of a pessimist, but, but uh, it's just, yeah, I don't know. It's, we're an unknown territory now. Like where it goes from here. I mean, there is no leadership at all and mm -hmm. anything from, from politicians or from fucking, uh, corporate, corporate, uh, leaders. I mean, there's just no, I don't know, man. No. So no, no, no. That's like, that, that, like, that's, that's like definitely true. And I think a lot of this, cause, um, again, it's like a, re it's a really good point 
that um that billionaires don't seem to like take any interest in like the world that they are still living on and i think that's what produces a lot of the kind of the long-termist stuff uh so like oh well it doesn't like it doesn't matter we can like extract this planet and then we'll just move to mars like that's 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 the future of humanity which is which is like it's obviously insane um i don't want to i obviously i don't want to talk about elon for like much longer um i don't know what he was i don't know what he was playing at with the um i don't know what he was playing at with the with the rebrand like a number of people have said stuff like that he had sort of kind of formed the impression that if he uh, if he rebranded, then he would no longer be under any of the kind of legal um, kind of legal obligations that he had been under beforehand. Which is very uh, they can't try a husband and wife for the same crime. I don't like. I know he's stupid. He can't be. He can't be that stupid. Surely he can't be that stupid i don't i don't know maybe he is that maybe he is that stupid but i think that i think the funny thing about it is that it has reminded people um that like one of his big things is that his what he thinks is like the cool letters is like that's really like the kind of the bottom half of the alphabet as far as he's concerned that's where the like that's where the really like kind of dank based letters are and he's constantly trying to like rename things x something or other and that that to me is that to me is quite funny um there's nothing we could there's nothing we can do other than say this is quite this is quite quite funny it's quite funny to look at and just go huh all right Mm. I'm not. I'm not. You know, I, like he, he could. He could have stuck with the rebrand. I'm not calling it anything different. No one's calling it anything different. <laughs> Everyone should just accept that. Yeah. Um. But why don't we talk about uh, Joey's channel, uh, which is which is uh more important and more useful and also a lot more entertaining than all the than all the sort of like X shit that we have we've had to deal with over the past couple of weeks. Um. Joey, as uh, mentioned, Phoebe uh, was the one who actually like introduced me to your channel um and uh since then i've been like very much enjoying both like the long form content the short form content and all the stuff on your blog as well for people who aren't familiar with like the work that you do yeah can you like tell us about how you sort of got into botany and like how the idea for the channel sort of like came to be i yeah you know i don't (laughs) it's like a long i i'm not sure i mean it's it started i just got an interest in in fucking i was always interested in plants but i kind of stayed away from them a little bit because i didn't have any context for them you know it was like oh yeah some mm. of them they're cool it's cool like my mom would have me like plant you know flats of fucking impatience that she would get when i was like six in her garden and that was always fun like i liked playing on dirt work with my hands playing this thing watching it grow you know but uh i had no context for any of this stuff and when where i grew up in chicago i mean i grew up in the suburbs maybe like a half hour bike ride from the city limits <clears throat> and so you know, there was no native, there was no native plant ecosystem. There was no ecology. There was no, and, and I mentioned that because that's what formed the basis of everything around us for millions of years before we started building cities. That's the real shit. That's the real fucking world. And so there was none of that. I had no concept mm-hmm. of what was native. I didn't know what a native versus an invasive plant was. Plants were just something that, you know, most of the old ladies planted, you know, to fucking, I tried growing weed in her basement when I was like 15. It was, ter- it was a terrible experiment. Um, but other than that, okay. I really, I didn't really pay attention to plants. And then I started when I lived in California, you know, I lived there for five years. I didn't even know what a redwood looked like until, you know, maybe I'd been there for yeah five or six years. And someone told me it was a, a redwood tree in Golden Gate Park in the Panhandle. 
uh, near this statue that all these these uh, these punk rockers used to drink at. And so I would go walk around that park and and see these redwood trees. And and then I finally connected. Someone told me that was a redwood. I was like, oh shit, that's those are the things that can get big and, and live for 2000 years. Well, wow, that's cool. And so someone told me you could take a cutting off one and put it in a little paper towel in a jar and it'll grow and send out, send roots out. So I did that and actually it did that. It worked. I mean, I basically rooted a little cutting off of the, the a stump sprout off of a, the burl of a redwood tree. And, and I thought that was kind of cool. And so I put it in a pot and it started growing really fast because redwoods can grow upwards of like six feet a year if you give them, you know, the right conditions. And so, uh, that from that moment on, I was hooked. And then I started reading about redwoods and I started reading Wikipedia about them. And Wikipedia has got taxonomy charts. Taxonomy is just how things are related evolutionarily, like members of a family or an order or whatever. So I looked that up and I read about the history of the, the genus. I learned what a genus and species was. I made that same mistake where you capitalize the genus and the species name at first until someone told me it's not how botanical nomenclature worked. Learned about the idea of like a species name versus a common name, you know, a way to actually identify one single organism, one single genotype, as opposed to, you know, fucking six unrelated plants that all have the same common name. And then I just was, I was hooked. I just started reading about it and learned about mm. conifers. I was initially interested in conifers because they get mm. big as fuck and they grow fast, but not like pines and spruces. I was interested in these things that evolved in the Jurassic, like podocarps and fucking ericaria trees and shit like that and and i just found it fascinating and then that just started to that was my initial interest and then it started to branch off into other plants other plant families and uh <clears throat> and i started using those taxonomy charts on wikipedia like a, a choose your own adventure book you know i could just read about these different organisms that lived mm. four thousand five thousand miles away and had lineages that went back 70 million years and what does that mean and and then this was all mixed with, you know, I took a geology class at a community college just because I was interested in it. Learned about the geologic timescale. And I just, you know, I, at that point, I realized I had no fucking clue about the world around me. I just took it all for granted. I lived in this human-centered myopia, and that's all I paid attention to. I didn't, I didn't have any clue about how the fucking rocks and the road cut uh, were made, how they, why the, they had all, all these squiggly lines in them. I didn't know how mountains were built. <clears throat> I didn't know how these different plants got all around the globe, you know, and so that, that initial realization of my own ignorance made me want to learn. I was like, this is fucking cool stuff. And the human world is kind of nauseating and boring a lot of the time. I learned about this. And so that's how I started doing this. And then started recording this stuff, mm. just making little videos on Instagram four or five years ago. And they disappear after 24 hours. And someone finally said, why don't you do a YouTube channel? And I said, cause YouTube's a fucking toilet and people just use it to talk shit. And, you know, post these corny ass videos and that's not really what I do. I don't want to do, Hey guys, so today we're going to, you know, it's not my fucking style. And, and, but then I was like, well, you know what? These videos disappear after 24 hours. Some of these plants are probably going to be extinct in 40 years. Cause I was going to really remote areas and finding stuff that was already really rare. It really yeah. grew in like 10 places in the world. So I was like, well, maybe it, it, it makes sense to document this stuff just as a reference in case anyone else is ever interested in it you know, contributing to the public domain of information. Mm -hmm. And so that that's basically what I do now. That's the channel. That's what I do now. And I just mix it. I mean, I'm out in these places and it feels good. I get in a good mood. I start talking shit, running my mouth, let my opinions out of the bag. And it just comes naturally to me. And so that's the, that's the fucking, you know, orifice through which all this plant information comes out. I mean, this, this venue of like social commentary and 
coming out of the mouth of like, you know, I kind of like fuck with this alter ego. I take on this Tony Santoro character of, you know, (laughs) some, you know, fucking crass and obnoxious, uh, West side, Chicago, Italian. And so that's, that's what, that's what works for me. And it makes it fun just Mm. to talk about it in like a normal voice. There's already, you know, and, and to not make the social commentary, like there's already enough of that. Like this vanilla ass watered down super wafer, you know, science, science communication as they call it. And that's not working. Like that doesn't get, that doesn't get enough people Mm. excited. I don't think it didn't work on me. You know, I mean, I have to be sedated to watch some of that stuff that's out there. I want my, I want my, (laughs) me personally, I would want my science info blended with dildo jokes and toilet humor and, you know, uh, reflections on the declining state of civilization. So, so that's what I do. Yeah. And that's what, the, mm. that's what the channel is. And at this point now, I'm just, I mean, I started when I was able to, I was working for the railroad at the time and I just, the, the, that was a fun job for a while. We would fuck around. It was, I mean, what united all of us, regardless of religion or politic, you know, political beliefs was a shared hatred for the company. It was this, and, and that was a uniting factor. It was just antagonism because the company was so poorly run and, and just mismanaged and incompetent. Uh, it was a railroad company that is just, you know, really, it's crazy because you think you would want your employees to like you and like working there. Whereas if you repeatedly fuck them and, mm. and treat them poorly, you know, I mean, it was incredible. I think 99% of my coworkers there in all the different fields, transportation, car department, whatever, they all hated the company. I mean, it was like this unanimous, like, yeah, this company doesn't, you know, there was a good amount of solidarity in that sense, working class solidarity. Mm. And so, um, you know, that was, I mean, that was a fun way we would, you know, it was really dirty outside work, banging loud equipment together and, you know, throwing switches. I'd drawn drawing rail cars with a little paint stick in my free time, uh, making jokes over the radio, talking shit. I mean, it was, it was a really fun way to go about life. And it was, you know, yeah, it was like 90% male and it was 90, you know, I've worked in Oakland. There were like the more rural areas. It was of course, mostly, mostly Caucasian. Um, but it was a diverse crowd of men and it was, it was loud, dirty work and it was fucking fun. And, and that, and we, and we knew, and you were knighted against the company. It was like, yeah, don't let them fuck you. You know, don't fuck each other. Fuck the company. That was the, that was like the motto. Um, and a lot of the old heads that initially worked there are what, who taught us that like these old guys. Cause you know, when you're learning how to be a brakeman, you, they just throw you in the, with the fucking sharks, you know? Um, in this case, these crusty old bastards, we call them old heads and they'd be rough with you, but they were cool too. I mean, they'd take you under their wing and teach you how to do this shit without getting killed. And um. Anyway, I, I, I enjoyed the job until, you know, the last four or five years, it started to get pretty rough. And the company started doing all this, uh, you know, cutting jobs, piling the existing work on the remaining jobs. They were fucking their customers, too. You know, the shippers, like the people who would order boxcars mm-hmm. and stuff like that. I mean, it was just this really cutthroat, please the shareholders at the expense of 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 the happiness of everyone else form of uh of running a business. And I, you of course see that a lot now and all, you know, in multiple different companies and areas of business. But anyway, so when it started to suck, that's when crime pay started doing better. And so I was like, fuck this, I'm going to quit this and do this full time. So that's what I do now is yeah, I basically, I travel the world and I document plant ecosystems and, and 
rare plants and species. And I talk about their evolutionary relatedness, their taxonomy, their fucking ecology, what pollinates them, cool traits they've evolved to deal with harsh soils with, you know, fucking metal in the soils or, or, uh, or really harsh environments, you know, that, I mean, I, it's basically just mm -hmm. a, about plant evolution and ecology. Cause I think that stuff's fascinating. And I think it's a nice distraction from all the dark shit currently going on, uh, in the human world right now. So mm. <laughs> do you have a favorite place that you've, do you have a favorite place that you place that you've been on your travels? Yeah, I think South America is pretty cool. Uh, I was just in the Brazilian Sahara, which is a, a seasonally dry tropical environment. So it's the seasonal dryness comes in the winter like it does in Mexico. And that's due to the intertropical convergence zone, which is basically the axis of the earth. You know, the, um, the, uh, basically what side, you know, Northern and hemisphere, um, northern and southern hemisphere get uh, northern hemisphere gets you know more sun when the uh, when the axis is tilted uh, towards the sun. Southern hemisphere gets more sun when the axis is tilted away. That causes different high pressure zones. Whatever you get, you know, basically rainy summers and dry winters. And so, um, but the dry winters because it's I mean it's winter, but it's still so so low latitude it gets really hot and so all these plants have had to evolve strategies to get around the uh the dog keeps coughing jesus christ <laughs> one of that's coming through <laughs> yeah all right um but uh i'm mean, gagging on a hairball or something but that that long dry period caused these plants to come up with some really crazy strategies to deal with it you know succulents drought dormancy you know, large storage tubers in the ground. It's wild shit. And it's just a wild uh, environment. I mean, the stuff I saw in Brazil, it's, it's, and it's epic diversity. It's this really harsh environment, but there's so much fucking diversity. I mean, you can't, for me, I mean, I'm taking pictures of everything, trying to document everything. I can't make it a mile in two hours. I mean, there's just so much there. Um, and there's so much, there's a story in that landscape to tell, you know, what pollinates these things, what other organisms interact with them? Is there beneficial fungi that they use to, you know, to get through? And there is in a lot of cases to get through these, uh, these, these long dry periods. And then it, of course in the summer, it's totally different. I mean, you get some pretty high rainfall, you know, sometimes it'll rain every day. And so it's, uh, it's just a cool, it's just a really cool, bizarre landscape. And it's so different from, you know, the landscape that a lot of people, the, a lot of, people in the world live in, you know, temperate, more temperate latitudes. And so that was what, I don't know. I, I mean, I, every, every landscape tells a story, man, especially where there's still a lot of, you know, ecology mm -hmm. intact. I mean, Chile, Northern Chile was really cool The Atacama, super dry, but nowhere near as hot as North American deserts. I just love seeing what's evolved there. You know, what's the product of millions of years of natural selection by the environment, which is everything, the geology, the climate, the elevation, the pollinators, the what herbivores are there, et cetera. All those things direct, you know, the evolutionary trajectory of these different organisms. I think it's fucking fascinating. And I think it's, it's uh, really fun to learn about. So that's what I try to show people. And then of course uh, the take home message from that is, is, you know, you don't need to go to these, these faraway places to experience this too. You can learn about the ecology in, in your native landscape where you live. You know, we, we've been doing a show, uh, been on EarthX TV called Kill Your Lawn, which is all about that. It's about, you know, getting rid of your fucking lawn, planting the planting a native plant garden and why it makes sense to do that. Mm. You know? That was actually going to be the next thing I was going to ask you about, about the about about mm. kill your lawn. Um 
He's saying hmm. you had you had a specific, you had a specific yeah, well, question. Well, it was like a very personal thing in the sense that like I'm about to move to a house with a lawn, uh, and uh, you know, and just as just as uh, this was happening, I was sort of reading about like the anti lawn uh, the anti lawn position that you seem to be taking, uh, and I wanted to like know I wanted to like really learn more about that, and I guess bearing in mind that I think both the UK and the US have like. I, I don't know whether lawn culture is a good descriptor of it, but my impression is that like to have a lawn sort of or to have yeah, or to even just have like a garden lawn kind of is a status, like a class signifier. And so I kind of wondered whether you could sort of talk about the anti-lawn position and like why well like and, and how much damage do, does the sort of like pristine lawn actually uh do to like the environment and to the world. Well, the first thing I want to say too is I'm not I'm not trying to make this like a like a chic you know uh, uh, fashion statement. It's more just the practicality of of all this. You know, if you're right. out there every day playing bocce ball or fucking you know laying in the grass frolicking around and shit, that's great. They keep the lawn. That's great. You know, if you got a, if you're like a big soccer fan, you're, you're playing soccer. Your lawn is big enough to play soccer, and you you like hanging out. But I they keep the lawn. But I don't think that's what's going on in like 95% of the cases. I think we have this thing because it's just what you do and it's what the neighbor does and it came with the house and we're so fucking mm -hmm. disconnected from uh, from uh, you, the the ecology around us, the ecosystem around us yeah. from 99% yeah. of every other living thing that, that occupies this space. You know, at the end of the day, the lawn is just this fucking deranged, completely myopic and anthropocentric way to exist in a space and and we just that we can't imagine what else would be there like what is it what else what are you, you going to have if you don't have a lot i mean you maybe plant a tree or something or what are you going to have you're going to have all the cool other plants that 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 grow where you live and live there for millions of years and evolve there and, and support all the pollinators all the cool fucking insects and butterflies it's about having a connection to the land you live on and this mm. is something that indigenous people in north america and they get fetishized a lot and modern leftism, and I hate to be another person doing that because I think it's fucking corny and it misses the point. But this is something that connection to the land is something that indigenous people in North America and many other places had, and they had no other choice. They they formed a connection with the land that they lived on because they basically uh, either migrated around or you know essentially lived outside. There wasn't this this indoctrinated system of we're separate and apart from it. We're better than it. We need to control it. Um, they had an innate awareness. And I think that was something they probably learned over time. I don't think when they got here, it was like that. I think when they got here, they caused extinction of a lot of megafauna. They probably had their own fuck ups. They've had their own civilizational, you know, different tribes had civilizational crashes. And I think it was a trial and error thing. And they eventually learned we need to come up with a better way because we're fucking up and this isn't, <laughs> this isn't working. And so that's mm. why they ended up. And of course they, mm. there's thousands of tribes. It's, you know, not everyone was the same. But I'm just saying that was a good, it's a good model. It's a good land ethic. Um, and I think having, more importantly, having a connection to the land around you is what, what makes for a healthier and uh, mental and emotional state. I think it does. I think it's, you know, there's a lot yeah. of dark shit in the world right now. And we, we live these isolated, fucked up lives. And we look at these fucking things all the time and they fuck our minds up even more. All this poison coming in, sometimes good stuff coming in too. Sometimes just, you know, nudes, butt pics, pictures of food, whatever. But uh, there's a lot of dark shit out there. And I think having a connection to the land you live on, I mean, being able to go sit in a garden on a fucking bench 
surrounded by a bunch of cool, you know, perennial shrubs covered in butterflies and native bees and pollinators. It's a nice thing. I think mm. once people turn shit off, turn that cacophony in the brain off and sit there and just fucking pay attention, it's a nice thing. I don't think anyone can deny that. You have to be pretty fucking weird to not think that's a nice, pleasant thing, you know, if you're able to actually sit there and enjoy it. Mm. So that's what kill your that's what kill your lawn is about. It's like keep the lawn. If you use it, if your kids people always say my kids love the lawn. Really? When I was a kid, I didn't want to hang out in a fucking exposed <laughs> grass field to the fucking 85 degree, 90 degree summer temperatures. Oh, it's great. I love sitting in the grass. No, it's you know, when I was a kid, we wanted to go crawl around in the bushes, dig holes look for bugs, mm. you know, that's what, that was more fun. I think it's just in yeah. this archaic pointless, you know, thing. And the amount of time people spend mowing and all this, you know, herbicides getting non-native grasses to grow where they're not, you know, in an environment they don't like and a soil they don't like and, a, you know, all that shit, all that yeah. money can be spent. You plant a, plant a couple native plants, learn about the things around you and then start to watch these things grow. Watch what, Watch the thing flower, like even just like a native bush of a, whatever species is and whatever family of plants is is near you. And that it is important. You know, every ecosystem has these cornerstone plants that are really important and really dominant. Plant a couple. Find out what that is. Plant a couple of those. Watch what pollinators show up to it. Watch how it flowers. Watch when it ends up producing fruit and seeds. You know, it's it's uh, I think that mm. is really rewarding for people. And I think that's why, you know. The movement, if you want to call it that, has grown so much, at least in the United States, over the last uh, few years. I think COVID was put people in a, the right space for it, and I think they've kind of taken it with them afterwards. Like, this is pretty good. This feels good. Same thing I felt when I was learning about all this shit 15 years ago. This feels good. I'm going to keep doing this. I'm going to keep sniffing on this. This is nice. You know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. When I was, um, when I was a kid, my primary school backed onto a piece of ancient woodland it was a bit over a thousand years old and so like if they were like taking us out for the day they would just like take us into the woods and just be like okay <laughs> off you go and then we would just like we just like kind of tootle around and like kind of rootle around the undergrowth and find leaves and frogs and like dragonflies in the summer and stuff and it was just it was just really really cool and it didn't matter what kind of kid you were like like from from like the from like the most kind of like uh, has like every single kind of Dawling Kindersley encyclopedia kid to like the kind of the mo like the kind of the roughest rowdiest kid in that class like everyone like got the same thing out of it everyone liked it as much which was really really interesting and really noticeable and it was only when you like got back in the classroom that there was like this kind of significant like gulf between the different types of kids in that like in that room like in the in in the woodland everyone was just like i want to find a frog right. and that was just like everyone was just like a kind of yeah like a kind of odd sort of kind of mono species of like kind of 10 year olds who all just wanted to like look yeah at bugs. I, I think you know i remember the way i used to look at, at quote-unquote nature i don't even like that word because that implies that it's something separate and apart you know that like this is the real world that we live in nature's yeah. out there it's no nature is all over the planet nature is what we think we're apart from but um yeah i remember the way i used to look at the world back then and it, it was boring i mean i was bored by plants i was bored i had no context for them i didn't find anything worthwhile to look at and that that 
you know, teaching people to see is like the most important part to look at this and be like, how the fuck can you be bored yeah. by this? Look at all the shit that's going on. Think about mm-hmm. this, you know, if you're bored. It's your fault. You're not thinking about this shit the right way. You're not paying attention, you know, because I look out at the human world and I'm fucking bored. I'm utterly bored. I'm utterly bored mm-hmm. by the fucking big plastic signs, the billboards, the fucking cars everywhere, the six lane fucking roads, all this dumb shit. That's so boring. What does that do for me? That's such a fucking empty existence. You know, this is what is fun for me. You know, I like making art. I like looking at plants. I like learning about shit. Um, you know, and I'm, I feel like I'm a healthier person than I other would, otherwise would be for it. But I remember that state. I mean, and I'm certainly not knocking anybody. I mean, it was to be bored by, by being in nature. And it's, it's so crazy to me to now to see that. But I think that those are just people who just haven't seen it yet. They don't know. They don't know. And it's not their fault. I mean, we live in a, in my opinion, we live in a fucking death cult and it kind of encourages that, you know, you live in the death cult, you're going to be bored by things that aren't part of the death cult and nature's not part of the death cult. Yeah. Like if any, it's, it's the opposite. <laughs> it's like it's, it's, the, it's, it's, it's like actively antagonistic. It's, antag- it's actively antagonistic. To, right. It's like, and you can't really, you can't quantify, you can't place yeah. the value and you can't monetize it. You know? So mm. I had like a question about just like your channel and just like the way that you sort of thought about it and structured it. Cause I think when I was looking for it, um, you sort of like, you, it, from what I saw, like it started off as being like really short videos and then you went on to kind of do like longer ones. So like, you know, you have your sort of like half an hour, uh, videos where you're sort of like walking around and you're sort of talking about plants and animals and kind of various flora and fauna. And I thought like loads of them were just like, really cool and interesting and just to sort of see it from like a pov angle as well and like the more recent ones you sort of like it's a similarish format but like one of the things that was noticeable was the way in which you kind of have made thumbnails um and like it might sort of seem like a mundane observation but i guess like on this show we've sort of talked about how content sort of changes as the sort of platforms that you upload on end up like demanding more of you in order to even be able to publish them in the first place and i wondered whether like from your perspective and i think what's really interesting about your channel is obviously like your ambitions are is it isn't really to make money as far as i can see it's kind of to uh provide like a public a type of public education that is becoming harder and harder to attain but like what challenges do you face as uh someone who is like creating content to upload onto platforms that are as you've pointed out like very much driven by kind of money and driven by like you know like profits and sort of really also incentivize to be producing and publishing content that is incredibly like lowest common denominator situation like do you find it challenging to basically be pursuing your mission of public education on these platforms that sort of seem quite antagonistic towards it i think yeah i mean because i i've been i've been having i've been having the issue lately where you know, these video, these videos I make are long. They're long. They're like fucking classes. They're like online field trip botany classes. Um, and I, you know, the, the issue I'm always worried about is am I making it entertaining enough? Am I like keeping the audience engaged by cracking jokes or fucking whatever? Am I having fun? And that's the thing is like, you know, it's, I think a lot of it's dependent on the mood you're in when you're out there. And if you're like in a dark spot or dealing with some heavy shit, it's hard to make, it's hard to make, you know, some of this stuff. Cause it's all dependent on, you have to be in that, that moment when you're out there in the field, you know, it's kind of like, in some cases it's like doing stand up comedy when you're fucking 
trying to teach people about plants in the 95 degree heat as well. And, you know, and keep, can you keep it interesting? And I think that's, that's the thing. Cause I want people to be entertained. I want to, I want to make shit fun. Um, and I, I have to keep in mind where the audience is coming from too. If I'm going really in depth about something that's that going to fly over their heads or they don't have an innate, you know, awareness of already, they're not already, they didn't take like the one one course then I'm not doing a good job. So I got to make sure that this is, you know, accessible mm-hmm. to laymen. And that's my target audience is I'm looking for like fellow degenerates that that want to learn about this stuff and don't mm-hmm. know anything. Else. This isn't for the people in academia. They can enjoy it too. This isn't for, you know, people who've spent 90% of their lives in school and paid a bunch of money to get a degree and, and whatever. I mean, they're welcome to enjoy it too, but this is for, you know, the, the, my target audience are those people is, are, is the people who are like, Oh yeah, I had no interest in this stuff. And I started watching this and it's actually kind of funny and really interesting. So that's, you know, can I make it like that? Yeah. And the short form content, I mean, I would do better to do more two or three minute videos. <clears throat> um, but it's, it's hard because there's just so much cool stuff I want to show people, you know, it's like, how do you teach a class? Um, about a subject that you're really excited and passionate about and, and stick to two or three minutes. I'm horrible at that. It's, it's so hard, but you know, what you have to do is then break it up into little pieces and make it more, you know, make it more uh, accessible like that. And I think it's, yeah, again, it's just mood and delivery. And are you having fun? You know, if you're talking monotone and you're watered down or you're mm-hmm. bummed out or, or you're, uh, you're lacking the energy that comes across. That's not fun to watch, you know? So. Hmm. Uh, do you get do you get pr- approached by brands to do like partnerships and, and yeah we get sponsorships sometimes I I just have my friend Al do those you know make these totally unhinged videos about <laughs> each one is like a sketch like a a comedy <laughs> sketch um, and I'm surprised that some of these companies still okay the videos because we have to send them to them <laughs> before before they you know they get approved and i'm like yeah. holy shit i can't believe they approved that that's amazing you know and then it goes and I, I like making them like that because i mean it's going to be on the video for the life of the channel i don't want it to just be a bland ad. i want it to be same thing fun it's fun to watch it's fucking weird and um you know mm. that kind of thing is yeah you don't want it to be like you don't want to be like an utterly atonal you don't want me kind of sort of sort of break like breaking off from like talking about a characters to sort of to sort of say you know um like in these in these troubled times call better help like you presumably don't want to be like doing yeah like, yeah, doing that yeah. Kind of shit. yeah i mean it's it's and they're always they're like a minute and a half two minutes long they're at the beginning of i mean i get people who say i watch this especially i watch this just for al's ads you know <clears throat> that he does and so <laughs> yeah and that's what we that's what we do i mean that's what we do on kill your lawn too like we just go out there and talk shit and crack jokes and act fucking ridiculous and, and still try to get the message mm. across so do you find that like that's a sort of effective method for because I, I I remember one of the videos that I watched the other day and it sort of begins I think you're sort of going through um a part of California um that is like very um I, I think you sort of say something along the lines of like a lot of you know plants or trees have kind of it's now sort of un, uninhabitable uh for these types of plants and like a lot of that is due to climate change but you sort of say it in a way that isn't kind of not patronizing isn't the right word but it almost is kind of takes it as okay well this is sort of what's happened um and i wondered whether like in in terms of like your approach because like as as we've sort of talked about a little bit pre-recording and earlier on in the recording like you know there are very real problems in the world 
Um, and like, you know, when it comes to sort of, you know, the natural world, then obviously like the biggest thing is climate change and overheating and the fact that lots of plants and species will just not be able to survive in a climate in an environment where like you are having these like untenable temperatures. Um, I wondered what your approach was on that in terms of reaching or talking to audiences who I, I, I guess like the first question is like, do you have an audience that like is kind of skeptical or hostile to the idea of climate change? And the second part sort of being like, do you have an approach to kind of educate them about sort of the ways in which they can kind of, or why, why they should be interested in Boston and like the things that they can do in spite of the kind of like current conditions of the climate of which I imagine like one of the issues is that like they just don't really have control over that. I mean, I don't, I don't get too many people commenting, you know, climate denialism stuff anymore. I, I was getting that a lot three years ago and I would get these weirdos that would just, they were obsessed with mm. chemtrails, which is to me is like, oh God, it's so, de- it's so depressing. You know, it's just like, you mix this like poor education with this conspiracy stuff theory like some you know yeah it's so fucking and you don't want to be a dick you're just like oh my god really come on man i mean it makes me depressed about you know <laughs> that kind of shit makes me depressed I'm like where do you start with this you know this is like yeah. working with an 11 year old um mm. which is totally condescending but that's fine but you know now i mean no not really i don't get i mean i think it's so obvious to a lot of people um you know, and cl- I mean, climate change is really just the laws of physics, right? It's like the, you're arguing with the laws of physics. CO2 uh, absorbs heat because of the, the shape of the molecule. Um, and so, you know, one carbon, two oxygen forms a little boomerang. They just, it, it, it's, I mean, it's elementary science. You can't really argue with it. Um, mm. It's like arguing with someone that thinks that the 40 years they spent smoking has no effect on the cancer they now have. Sure. Um, but I just, you know, I also realize there's a lot of bullshit out there and the people that, that are deniers are not my enemy. They're just, yeah. in my opinion, they've just eaten some bad shit. You know, they've been fed some bad yeah. shit. Fed. Well, this bad is, shit. Yeah. So that's, that's my, I suppose, yeah. go ahead. I mean, I was going to say, I, I suppose like one of the things I was sort of getting from your videos was just this broader idea that like, well, even in spite of kind of all this stuff happening in the world, like you know, there is, you can, I think the message being that there is still agency, like you should still be interested in like what the natural world is like right, right now. You should still be interested in like the things that you can do, the things that you can plant. Um, and so, and I wondered whether that was kind of intentional as well, like rather than kind of, you know, inadvertently fall into a state of climate doomism, like is one of the intentions of your project to kind of be like, you know, you can still do stuff and you should still like be interested well, in yeah, that. I mean, I, the, the reason I do what I do isn't because I'm like, oh, I'm going to change the world. I'm going to win. It's like, no, it's because it's fun. And I think that's the way, right. that's the reason people should do anything. Right. I think it's a really weird, I mean, the people that think like that, and I mean, no offense to them. I'm like, man, have you ever like had any adversity in your life? Like the minute <laughs> it seems like you're not going to win, you just give up and fuck this. I mean, you must not have had fun doing it in the first place. That's what I feel like at a job, you know? I mean, if it's, if it's work for you, you're not having right. fun, then yeah, quit, you know? But, uh. <laughs> But it's fun. I mean, this shit is fun. It's it's fun to learn about plants. It's fun to have native plant gardens. It's fun to fucking, you know, all this stuff. I mean, it's like it's it's not a a means to an end. It's a it's the it's an end itself. Like that is what the whole process of doing it is is the end. And and this is just you know, look, mass extinctions have happened before. 
all this stuff. And I'm not using that as some kind of deranged. Oh, the planet will be fine. The planet's not going to be fine. The, the fucking rock itself, the lithosphere is going to be fine, you know, but, but life on it is, is going to suffer a serious setback. It is. Um, but you know, the, the long term, I mean, this shit's happened before stuff comes back. You have to have that kind of faith. Like it might be millions of years, but stuff comes back. Other stuff evolves. And it's like, we're the, the good point in my mind is like, we're either going to not make it if we continue this behavior, or we're going to learn from this and get better behavior. Both of those are good. <laughs> Both of those are good options <laughs> in my mind. There, there's, it's yeah. one of those two is inevitable. I mean, there's no way that we can continue behaving like this as a species and civilization without serious repercussions. And we're going to either realize it or we're going to not be existing anymore, which means we're not going to be behaving like this anymore either. You know, and so that's that's kind of my mm-hmm. my take on it. Um, but, yeah, I definitely think, you know, do this because it's fun. If it's not fun and you're just doing it because you think you're going to change the world, you're going to you're going to then don't do it. That's not the right reason to be doing it. You got to be doing it because the process itself is fun. The journey. You know, life's a journey, not a destination. <laughs> so that's right. Um, I'm very aware that we're that we are that we are running close to time, but I do have like one. I do have one final question, um, which what which was about. Um, so the what the video that got me onto your channel in the first place was the snapping turtle one, um, because it kind of it came up on my Twitter timeline, and first of all, it was <laughs> super cool. Snapping turtles are great. Um, and second, have you got any plans to kind of expand into kind of further kind of a critter investigation or is it, is it plants? Is it going to be plants all the way down? Oh, yeah, no, I always, I mean, I'm always interested in, in, in animals and insects and all that kind of shit. I mean, they, cause it's all tied. I mean, all this stuff is tied geology, botany, entomology, you know, um, study of wildlife, all that. I mean, it's. Of course, I always feel that, but I mean, plants are always the, they're the, the steadfast, you know, they're what's, they're, first off, they don't move, which is nice. Second, they're just, I mean, I'm so much more amazed <laughs> yeah. by the shit they do, honestly, than by animals. And and plant diversity, I mean, plant the, the plant kingdom is so much more species rich than the animal kingdom. There's just so much more diversity there. And it's so cool. There's so many different variations on a theme and variations on a theme are what you know, kind of enthrall any biologist, right? I mean, it's to see what different things evolution and natural selection have come up with. And animals just don't have, I mean, there's some weird animals out there, but there's not as many different variations on that theme in animals as there are for plants. So yeah, Chagasaurus was cool. I mean, she was a beast. I mean, that was, that was, I had no idea that was going to happen today. We didn't go out there trying to film. We just wanted to go kayak on the river on the first you know, beautiful day in Chicago, uh, for that, for the year. And, and so, but I'm always recording stuff and me and Al are always fucking around recording stuff, even just if we're not going to put it out. And so that was, yeah, it ended up being really cool. It was a cool thing to see. And I think it got more people excited about the river. I mean, urban rivers, the organization that builds those floating mats of native plants that so they got like 150 people hitting them up the week or two after that came out. Cause I did another video on them. Cause I was, it will be, kayaked by i saw this like damn they're installing native plant like floating native plant habitat here that's so fucking cool because that river has been a cesspool forever man i mean it's like industrial you don't get any more industrial than the chicago river or or like the gowanus canal in brooklyn i mean those are like those are (laughs) 
They are metaphors, or at least they used to be. I guess they still are, but now it's a more positive metaphor than they used to be. So, yeah, it was cool, man. And she's there. That fucking turtle has been there. She's still there. I mean, I get people sending me photos. She hangs out. She's been there for a long time. It was so funny because all these news organizations reached out to this, you know, wildlife expert. And it was, you know, it's very rare to see snapping turtles on the, on the, on, on land, you know, it's been, and blah, blah, blah. And all the, you know, all this, just these two, two bit opinions. And it's like every week she's every fucking weekend. She's there. I get, I've had so many people send me photos. Like she's been hanging out there. She's chilling there probably right now. You know, she's early morning. She likes to hang out in mornings. It's not so much late afternoon, especially during the summer. Mm. But, um, yeah, it's cool. I mean, it's a, and this same thing could happen anywhere. I mean, there's beavers on the Chicago River now. I mean, it's. Oh, shit. <laughs> they've been doing a rewilding project um, in various parts of the UK where they've been reintroducing beavers. Um, and that's just extremely cool. There was a, there was a news story a little bit ago about a, about a beaver that showed up in a garden in Pembrokeshire and was like chewing the trees, um, Pembrokeshire in West Wales. And, um, they got in like the kind of the local like kind of like kind of wildlife warden guy to say like can you come and collect your beaver please um and like the way it was reported it was so funny because this guy just said there is no logical reason for this beaver to be here um and it's just like well he's on his holidays obviously like that's why he's that that's why he's there um but yeah he like he like chewed up like half these people's garden and no one can work out how he got so far into Wales, like probably from, like probably yeah. from kind of Bristol in the west of That's England. Cool. Um, but yeah, like it's like it's yeah, it's like yeah, it's super cool. We have a we have a local heron who um, always comes by the always comes by the river whenever it's raining, because um, that bit of that bit of the river turns into a mm. kind of like managed canal, and the water only really only really moves when there's been heavy rain and so that's when like it's best for them to fish and this heron just like comes and just like hangs out and it's just like it's like next to it's like next to the train station it's like next to the train station like in in like kind of urban london and it's just there just being like yeah yeah and i think that, that you know that stuff gets people excited because it's more of that concept of bringing nature home it's like wow this stuff is mm. here already we don't need to go you know somewhere else to see this stuff this is actually we can live uh, amidst it and be a part of it. I think that that stuff feels good. There's always going to be Pete. There's always going to be haters who are like, "Ah, oh, fuck it," you know. If I, we want, those things are past, blah blah blah, they're, you know. But there's, it feels good to be close to this stuff. I think for the majority of people, mm. you know. So. Yeah, absolutely. No, no, I love, no, I love <laughs> the, sh- I love the shit. And yeah, please keep, mm. please keep, please keep make, making videos because it's like, yeah, it's like it's pretty much the only YouTube channel I watch. <laughs> um it's like because like you said youtube's a mm. toilet i don't need to see like i don't need to see like four hundred thousand million million reviews of either barbie or oppenheimer i don't i don't right. care like yeah. like i'm amazed people watch the channel sometimes because i'm like it's, at the end of the day it's just some wing nut ranting to himself in the middle of nowhere about a subject he's excited about you know so yeah, that's. Well, I think that's. And my I think vibe, that's also so. it because like, I don't know. Like I don't want to be that guy who's like you know back in my day, but like I do kind of miss the sort of early days of like, or at least sort of when I was on YouTube when I was a lot younger, and I would use it to like sort of learn how to do stuff. And the people who were making these videos were sort of like making them in very sort of like lo-fi ways. In and it seemed kind of you know, and we and we've talked about this before in terms of like the fact that so much of the internet is sort of. And so much of the good stuff left online is largely down to like 
volunteers and open source um, people who are like making stuff in their own time because they believe in the virtues of like public education um, and using whatever means they have in order to sort of like build the systems to do that. Uh, and like, you know, I remember like so much of the stuff that I've learned that has like really helped me in my life and my career had kind of has come from like people sort of just putting a camera on and showing you how to do things. Um, and it's sort of, and I think now, like when you, you know, they, they still exist to a certain extent. And like, I understand that there are sort of like commercial pressures that come with, you know, having to like trying to make a living online and like, you know, that there are certain things that you end up having to do, be it like paywalling stuff or kind of like doing Skillshare courses and everything. But I do just genuinely think at the same time that like there is not the, the, the way in which like the internet is sort of set up is one that makes it incredibly difficult to actually learn new stuff, let alone like stuff that is designed to like help you preserve things, to help you fix things. Um, and so when I was like looking for your channel, it's like, it's a really good reminder of like a lot of the content that I remember being quite formative in a very practical way in my life. And, you know, and it's nice that it still exists. It's nice that there are people who still like want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to just do something you're passionate about because it feels good rather than yeah. do something, you know, with the goal of just making right. money yeah. or putting a product out there. I mean, that said, I, I, the fucking ads, you know, I, I hate, I hate ads. I hate advertising, but it's. You know, putting it on a podcast and on a YouTube channel and it's uh and I'm talking about not not like the sponsorship ads that Al does that are funny as hell. It's just the you know, the the like the iHeartRadio approached me a year ago about the podcast and I was like, fuck, it would be really nice to be able to have a little bit of extra income from the podcast. Maybe I'll do that. And I do that and yeah. then I make them ad free on the Patreon. Like you can listen to the podcast ad free on the Patreon, but I hate ads. They're insidious. It's pollution. It's mental pollution, whether you're looking at it or listening to it. But it's, you know, it's just kind of, it's become, it's a part of the, the game, I guess, you know, it's like, it's a part of, yeah, it, it's a part of the ecosystem. And it's like one of those things where I guess you have to sort of like, kind of really come to terms with that, but in your own sort of way. And so like anyone who's making content online, I think like has to sort of reckon with that question in some capacity. And I know it's because uh, like obviously on YouTube, so much of the stuff that you kind of see, even when you are sort of searching for things, are YouTube videos that are basically ads in all but name. Mm -hmm. um, and they're like incredibly like SEO maxed and like filled with like, you know, optimized like, you know, thumbnails and all that type of stuff. And, you know, to a certain degree, I guess like you have to play the game. But, um, yeah, but like at the same time, it's like, well, you don't have to sort of go all the way and like, you know, and it's and it's nice because I think I was looking at when I was looking at like other sort of even like planting channels, even that's kind of like, you know, there's there's a plant video that I saw where it kind of it felt so sort of like curated and highly edited that like it kind of became like unpleasurable to watch. And so it's nice to sort of like watch your videos and just kind of feel it feels calmer. And I think that's the other thing, too. Like so many YouTube videos I watch just give me anxiety because of like how much has sort of been thrown at you. And it's nice to sort of see something that like there mm. isn't just like colors and graphics and stuff sort of being thrown at you. And if any, and it goes back to what you were saying before, which is like, like, you know, ultimately one of the kind of kind of great things about what you do is that you sort of get to go out in the world and sort of kind of be reminded that you are part of this world. And like, there are still things to explore and things to discover and like there's real beauty in that. And I think if you spend too much time online, it can be very easy to sort of like lose your sense of wonder, especially as like the way in which platforms are structured are ones are ways in which like 
they sort of feed you predictability. Yeah, if they if they ever make ads where you can't just click through them, I mean that's the other thing is you just click through them. You have to like, oh no, you have to turn on your phone. You're listening to something and, and fast forward. If they ever make it so you can't do that, then I'll I'll stop. But for now, it's it, it's worse. <laughs> so anyway. And on that note, uh, we should probably wrap up because we are running, uh, we have uh, run out of time. So I want to say, Joey, thank you so much for coming on. Um, as mentioned, we're going to put uh, Joey's YouTube channel link into our show notes as well as his website link. But is there anything else that uh, you'd like to plug or you'd like listeners of our show who aren't familiar with your stuff to, uh, to uh, you know, to watch or listen to or just, yeah, just be interested in? No, no. I mean, I, I you know, I'm, I'm always happy to, to get a chance to run my windbag mouth uh <laughs> my guinea windbag mouth but um you know that said i yeah kill your lawn uh just got renewed for his second season it's on EarthX tv they've they sold it to cable which i don't which kind of irritates me because you can't stream it now but there's always pirate bay so and i heard someone put it up <laughs> i haven't uh we aren't we yeah, we aren't endorsing it, but we're not not endorsing it. Uh, yeah, we're it. not not endorsing it. I haven't downloaded uh, a torrent yet and seen how it worked, but uh, but it is it is up there. I mean, and then there it's on Fubo <laughs> TV too, which is like an eighty bucks a month subscription. Yeah, I don't know why they did that, man. It doesn't. I mean, no one who watches cable anymore, but whatever. That's what they did. It's, you know, season two will be out uh, next year. It's going to be in Chicago and either DC or and Atlanta, so it should be it should be fun as hell. It's home turf for uh, for me and Al. Um, I'm working on another book that should be out uh, on Abrams Press uh, late next year, and then um, yeah, I don't know. I just you know I still I'm still packing books of drawings um, and just doing my thing, and I'll be doing that until you know it's time to check out. So is the is the picture of put, the yeah. of the of the hog behind you? Is that is that one of yours? Yeah, it's a javelina. <laughs> yeah. That's that's really cool. I really like that's that. Cool. They're a native peccary, and then I just got photos. I took wow. Of, uh, Azarella compacta in Chile, agave gentryi, stuff like that. So I really so like that. That's re- that's really cool. Peyote garden right really there. Like the Whoa. native wild peyote gardens here in South Texas. So. <laughs> fantastic yeah it's very cool stuff cool. uh yeah so check, check so check all that out we'll put all the links uh into our show notes uh thank you for listening to this episode uh we really appreciate it phoebe do you have any plugs uh no you know my plugs you, you know, know the plugs uh the plug phoebe's plugs will also be in show notes uh just another reminder about the patreon uh yeah all your support helps us run the show and helps us to do this without ads we also don't like ads we and you can't really skip ads on podcast stuff much these days. So like the more support you give us, the less likely it is you'll have to do that. Um, and finally, this show is produced by Devin. You can follow them at Devin underscore on earth. Also listen to their podcast. It's called kill James Bond. It's very, very good. Um, and on that note, catch you later. Bye. Bye.